Today we're talking about health as it relates to the marching arts and some tips and tricks you can take away on today's PMEA's Take Note Podcast. everyone and welcome to this edition of PMEA's Take Note Podcast. I'm Mark Despotakis and uh, here we are in the beginning of November, marching band season wrapping up for uh, a lot of people and uh, we're starting to maybe think about next year already because we know marching band never stops planning but we're also thinking about indoor color guard, indoor drum line and so many things along uh, those lines. So um, we're, we're kind of doing a, a, a show today that I think will uh, will bridge both of those places and, and hopefully uh, give you some food for thought. Uh, today we are joined by Dr. Elliot Cleveland, uh, and he is from Marching Health, as you can see on the T-shirt there. Great branding. He knows how to he knows how to do this, right? Uh, and uh, we're going to learn about Marching Health and, and the work that he does, and get some uh, I think some really good takeaway advice uh, for for band directors, band students, color guard directors, all that. Uh, so, Elliot, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mark. So, um, let's start with, uh, and, and you can't have a podcast without a dog. So, what's the dog's <laughs> name? That's the... This is Sam. He's my Bernie Doodle. If you heard some clicking in the background, he decided now is when he wanted to eat his breakfast. Hey. He's a therapy dog, though. So You got to do what you got to do. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad Sam is with us too. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about marching health and and I, maybe the, the like what's the backstory? Kind of what prompted you to start promoting health uh, and training in the marching arts? Great question. I had in my time as a performer been impacted personally by my own health issues, and so I was only able to do one year of drum corps um, in that summer that I did drum corps with Spirit of Atlanta. I had a number of health issues come up that prevented me from feeling confident being able to march again. So it was on the forefront of my mind as a performer. And then when I became an instructor, I was teaching the drumline at Wando High School in Charleston, South Carolina, while I was also working on my doctorate of physical therapy. And it became very apparent that we needed to, to do something from an institutional and organizational perspective to help impact the health and wellness of our performers so that they could be their best on the field. So for example, we noticed that one year we were struggling to actually achieve our performance goals and our competitive goals because we had this rotation of students coming off the field during rehearsal, whether that was due to injuries, poor hydration beforehand, getting um, nausea or dizziness spells because they weren't acclimated to the heat and humidity of Charleston. Um, so we put together over an off season, a design and a program for what it would look like to address all of these issues from a holistic perspective for our students. And we went from literally 20 students a day sitting on the sidelines during band camp to only two the following year. And once we realized that being pro proactive and using preventative measures was the, the cure for the problem, I was very blessed to start talking about it on social media and it spread like wildfire from there. So we're very fortunate to have impacted hundreds of thousands of marching performers at this point. So yeah, from there, so then you, you've created Marching Health. And so I, I guess to be clear, you're a physical therapist. 
Yes. So I got my doctorate in physical therapy. I practice physical therapy still and work heavily in the sports medicine world. So later today, I will be at a local university working out of their training room, having lunch with their sports medicine fellows, surgeons and doctors, and, and very much on the ground, so to speak, in keeping up with what is modern practice in sports medicine. And then how can we apply that to the marching arts, which have been, in my opinion, the most underserved population in sports and performing arts. Um, when I was in my third year of physical therapy school, I won the National Student Business Concept Contest for the American Physical Therapy Association because of this idea. When I pointed out the hole in, there are 400 students in a college marching band and no one there to serve them health-wise, but the basketball team has one or two athletic trainers and a team of physicians readily available to them and only has 15 on their roster. So just by playing the numbers game, healthcare is missing out on serving this population of people that definitely needs our help. And from there, it's been more of putting together what actual programs need to be in place and what data looks like from an injury and health perspective for these students. So, yeah. So then talk a little bit about that, about like what what are you then actually offering to programs? What is the services Marching Health offers? Yes. Number one, we offer free education resources all over our digital media platforms, our website, our social media pages, our YouTube channel. There's hundreds of hours of content that you can consume for free and give to your band students. But number two, the most impactful thing that we do is clinics. We go in in the preseason, whether that is in the spring months or right before band camp, and we offer long clinics. So either a four hour clinic or in some cases up to two days worth with entire school districts at once coming together, going through our marching health protocols for injury prevention of workout programming and physical conditioning for the students themselves in a way that makes sense for marching band. I'm not out there pushing P90X or insanity workouts. We're doing workouts and exercises that are specific to the needs of marching band and meeting the needs of holding your instrument having fast direction changes, executing choreography in today's modern marching arts. And since then, this has evolved from workouts and injury prevention work to total health and wellness, including sports psychology, mental health, mental performance, and adding marching visual and choreography instruction by collaborating with other professionals in the space that are experts in that as well. So I've been, uh, I've taught with a few marching bands, I still do, and, and I've certainly been around the activity for the vast majority of my life. I've seen so many different ways that, uh, you know, uh, everything from marching basics is done to, to any type of physical body warmup is done. Uh, it's so different everywhere. And it's, it's of course, dependent on who's the person in charge uh, leading that. Um, talk to us about some of the common mistakes that you've seen. What are the, what are the biggies that stand out to you? Number one is we try to steer bands away from static stretching before rehearsal or not stretching at all. So you need to warm up your body. You need to get blood flowing and you need to get your muscles and tendons pliable. You need to take them through their range of motion as well as take your joints through their range of motion as well so that your body is prepared to start a rehearsal. We steer groups away from static stretching 
because that actually has zero correlation to injury risk, which blows a lot of people's mind. They were fed information back in the 80s and 70s that stretching out before activity decreases risk of injury. It does not. Instead, we steer people towards dynamic movements and dynamic warmups that take their body through their range of motion, not maintaining one hold for 30 seconds or 60 seconds, but moving quickly and controlling that mobility and getting your muscles and heart rate elevated um, at the same time. So if you see us working with an ensemble, it's going to look more similar to what that school's soccer team might do before practice, but adapted in a way that is marching movement specific. So we take this idea from sports medicine and the top college and pro teams, and we apply it into what does a high school college marching band need? Or what does a drum corps need so that they can be primed for performance? So um, I, I actually, I wonder, as you're mentioning, uh, as kind of going through this and saying, all right, so we're going to make this look a little bit more like what the soccer team does. Is there, and you mentioned earlier the, the mental health piece of this, you know, sometimes the band programs are disrespected. Um, is there a, does this, you know, help any way in, in that area? Like, look, we're, we're going to do this the right way and we're taking this very seriously. And does that help just kind of raise the professionalism and how much everybody takes it seriously? Yes, actually. We were doing a school district clinic down in Corpus Christi, Texas, a couple years back. And the athletic director of the school saw what we were doing with the band and got us to come onto the football field and take the football team through the warm-up and mobility routine that we were doing. And I actually worked um, and contracted out on several key medical situations for Clemson football. So I have some credibility from a football perspective. And then all of a sudden, the you know football players and band members are intermingling for their workouts in the middle of yeah. the day. That that never happens. So you start to shift the mindset and the culture of what it is that your students are out there doing on the field. And that makes them have a little bit more confidence and appreciation, them being the band members. They start to appreciate the fact that this is a physically demanding activity. And then they realize in the process of that, that they're, they're performing athletes. They are no longer in a classroom, sitting down in a chair, playing their instrument. They have to start preparing themselves in a way that gets their bodies ready, gets their minds ready and helps them achieve their highest level of performance on the field. Uh, curious for your thoughts on, um, you know, I've seen so many rehearsals and, and I mean, I'm probably guilty of this too, where, okay, we're very siloed. We're going to go to do music rehearsal and then we're going to go and do some visual rehearsal. Um, and, and we'll meet those things up when we go and do drill and we just put it all together and go for it. Uh, I, I think I've probably thought in the back of my head, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, because maybe if we were doing a little bit better in the music block to incorporate visual and vice versa, um, is that also like, you know, how are you taking into account the musician part of this and, and the physical aspects of that into the things that you're training? Oh, man, that would have to be its own podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so first, we want to approach it from a culture perspective. There have been a number of groups who have made the comment, we feel like the guard is the guard, the band is the band, and the drumline is the drumline. And we warm up in a way that emphasizes that and furthers us down that rabbit hole. So we actually use our workout systems and our warm-ups 
to bring everyone together, potentially to start a rehearsal before they separate and have freedom to do their own rehearsal material. Or maybe they go do their music warm up, and then before we have a group dedicated drill setting session or visual session, we all come together as a band and go through the physical warm up. And I usually have groups set up in ways that mix the sections together so that they get to know people in the other captions and they build camaraderie. And then also one of the best things we do is not the material we're giving you. Yes, it's awesome. It's fantastic. We've tested it for years and years. Over, over 150 schools have used it. We teach your student leaders how to run it. And so the student leader then becomes the motivator day in and day out. And they really start to set the culture. Now that everyone's together doing this, that it is not a siloed activity anymore. It is one band coming together. And we try to actually take a couple of different leaders from different captions, not just the one drum major leading or two drum majors, majors leading. We may have a rotation of individuals where a color guard leader takes them through cardio day a horn line member takes them through mobility day and percussion does strength. So they always have a different voice that they learn to respect and learn to appreciate. And then also they can go to that person as a leader later on and socialize with them, but also rely on them during the season. So that's more of the cultural aspect from a true musicianship standpoint. We talk to all the directors about what their rehearsal flow is so that this is not a one size fits all approach, but we make, our systems adapt within the structure of how you ideally want to run a rehearsal. And then we even get down to the nitty gritty in terms of what beats per minute are your feet moving during these warmups and workouts? What are you doing from a lung capacity perspective while you are exercising? So there are exercises we use that put people's feet in time, make them add breathing gym exercises and do cardio all at the same time in very specific ways that have been shown to reduce risk of injury. So we can take it from a macro perspective in terms of culture all the way down to micro of what are you doing on this exercise that makes you a better performing artist and athlete at the same time. Uh, you know, it's, it's really hard, uh, at least in our area, to find good color guard people, uh, staff. And uh, I think that also uh, moves over a little bit to it's hard to find good visual folks who are willing to come in and do this. So a lot of programs, um, you know, may just find an alum who is available and they can come back and do it. And they're kind of learning on the job, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of us have learned on the job in those situations. But um, it, if a program says, all right, I want to move in this direction. And I know that we have some kind of really green staff. Uh, Talk to us about the resources that you're providing that might be like the step before saying, okay, let's bring you all in here. Yeah, we have all of this information nearly for free available on our website, on our social media channels and little bite-sized pieces that you can take. So what I recommend that groups do, if they say we, we need to get there, but we also know either we don't have the resources to put all of that in place or we don't have the personnel to make it happen. Step one is to establish what your first five minutes of rehearsal are gonna be. Here is the dynamic warm-up routine. So there's like five of them, I think, on our YouTube page for free that you can go look at, give to an instructor, 
and I teach people how to do it on the YouTube video. We talk through how you execute those exercises. And so there have been a number of schools that for years have used that video to start off, or they have hired us out to teach a virtual clinic to their student leaders or to their staff on how to teach that material at a high level. Maybe they say, hey, I don't have the physical education background or the personal training or physical therapy background. I need your help actually learning what the language needs to be so that I can cue my students better and give them the right instructional pieces uh, more specifically than what I could get just from watching a video and trying to apply it. We do have plenty of virtual clinics every summer where we help them do that. There's also our free back to band workout that is actually intended timeline wise for six weeks between end of school to typically start a band camp and physiologically your body needs about six weeks to adapt to any sort of physical activity that you put it through before muscles start to grow and your body adapts to those changes. And so you can tune in to our whole video series on that on YouTube or and or download the PDF. So there's a sleek PDF that shows you exercise start positions, ending positions, how many sets to do, how many repetitions you should do of each of those. So we try to be as specific as possible and really we are a health education company. So I think a lot of educators will find that this is as much about teaching as it is about the actual health programming itself. Yeah, and, and so folks can find all of that at marchinghealth.com. Um, let me shift gears a little bit. So in Pennsylvania, we have been working uh, to try to get uh, some type of alternative credit uh, for curricular marching band participation. Um, and, and just as kind of the background for those who, who may not be aware, the reason that we've, we've attempted to do this is because there are many situations where a student has a difficult time scheduling all of the courses they need because some courses are only offered at certain times. And, and in many instances, of course, that that is a music course in a high school because the band is, you know, you're not going to just have the clarinet section come in seventh period. You need the whole band there. Uh, so and then that also plays into things like uh, when it, AP courses are offered and, you know, that are that maybe only offered in one day. So it makes it makes things difficult for students to uh, schedule. So uh, in many states, uh, there is physical education credit that is offered for participation in marching band, interscholastic athletics, uh, and even ROTC participation. Um, the proposal that PMEA has, has kind of put forward is that um, to do this, the, that it would have, the, the course in school would have to be a curricular marching band course. So marching band would have to be at least a part of the course of its marching band slash symphonic band, what, whatever, uh, for this to, to happen. And um, local school districts, because Pennsylvania is so local control, would decide what that means because they're already deciding what it means as far as what is a physical education requirement for in, in four years of high school is it is it one semester of it is it two credits whatever um so we we essentially are saying we're willing to be flexible on this but we want some flexibility for the students to not miss out on this i'm i'm prefacing all this to to say you know this is an area that you have also done some work in and had some success in so I guess I come to you to tell us how that came to be, and, and maybe you can offer some advice to, to those of us who are, who are trying to make this happen in Pennsylvania. Yeah, this was a total gift from God timing-wise. I started Marching Health the year before 
South Carolina made the law change to enable marching bands to get PE credit. So timing could not have been better. And what we did that next year, it was, to my knowledge, left up to individual school districts if they wanted to adopt that or not. And then there's obviously political lobbying that takes place between that school district's um, board and PE teachers on one side of the argument saying, hey, you have to meet these same curriculum standards if you're going to get credit for that in band. And Van saying, we, we do all these things, but maybe not having the curriculum yet. So we helped a couple of school districts actually set up what that curriculum was, really top to bottom. And in our clinic arrangement, we ended up covering everything except sex education um, that the PE teachers were already covering in their curriculum. And in most cases, we covered it in much further depth and in a more practical, meaningful way to the students. And then they had to carry it out every single day when they showed up to class and rehearsal. So they truly understand when I say we're doing balance training, we're doing cardiovascular exercise, they know what that means because their bodies are feeling it and they have a specific task that I'm asking them to think of in the process of doing those things. And then some schools in order to meet maybe one or two extra pieces of the curriculum standards, at the end of the semester when competitive marching band is done, they might have one or two classes where they do not meet in the banner, but they go join the PE class that might be talking about a specific topic that day. And so they have a good relationship between the physical education community, also the health class community, because sometimes it is just a health class. Um, I think it's very much district specific for who is teaching what material but it really comes down to, can you build those relationships? Um, and conversationally thinking through what might be the rebuttal to you getting marching band credit and how can you go ahead and troubleshoot that conversation before you ever have to have it? So one of the big downfalls for the physical education teachers with their argument of you're not doing enough in marching band class to get credit for this was, yeah, but you're also promoting virtual PE class where, you know, a student just has to submit a video that they did something. As soon as you took video or sorry, took PE class and put it into a virtual format with like 10 sessions, that completely invalidates your argument that an entire semester and season of marching band isn't physical enough. So let's break that down and figure out what test we need to put into our marching band curriculum to actually meet the same testing standards you're doing in your virtual PE curriculum. So it may be that the first or second day of band camp, we do have some fitness tests or some flexibility tests we need to put in, and we need to have a preseason and a postseason test. And maybe that takes us three hours to do, but that small amount of time makes it so that 40 students now can get credit for PE and band at the same time. So what is the lowest hanging fruit that you can tackle and impact the greatest number of students and help change the conversation around marching band, physical activity, and health as a whole. Uh, curious then, as you did get some pushback, because I'm sure there was pushback, because uh, we've had pushback. Uh, curious then, as, as you got that pushback, um, and, and then, you know, you worked around, as, as you've explained some of the, well, yes, but uh, things that you've explained. Did those folks who push back come around and say, okay, I do see how this is valuable for the student because we're all here for the student. That's the end goal. Yeah, 
a lot of times groups might have had to bring us in for a year and had admin invited to that day mm. before they got credit. Okay. So they see what the curriculum now is rather than just hearing from a band director that we are doing X, Y, or Z. There's a reason that our entire program is given to all of our clients in long PDF format, as well as video series and PowerPoint presentations on all the different health topics so that they have curriculum written up and essentially lesson plans written up and can hand someone if they're asked about it. When we've done entire school district clinics, which by the way is for professional development credit, you can get PD credit that matters to you. We have put together a manual that is more than 20 pages of all of our policies, our guidelines for marching band health and wellness, and even band director health topics for you as a professional so that you can have a more meaningful lasting career. Um, all of that is put together in a package that can be given to your administrator so that there's no question about what you're teaching that day. And yes, it is more valuable than the PE class that you look around the corner and they're just doing badminton for 40 minutes until the bell rings. Yeah, I really appreciate you making the point of uh, maybe a way to convince uh, administrators to bring them in and say, watch what we're doing. Um, I, I, I always encourage uh, music teachers at any level, but particularly, you know, band directors to do that because I don't think uh, a lot of administrators fully understand what happens you know, the, the marching band just doesn't show up and goes on the field and does their thing, right? I mean, just even the, the day of, there are so many other pieces of the puzzle that have to happen that the staff is responsible for and the students are responsible for. And for an administrator to, to you know, maybe see that and say, okay, wow, I get this. Not, not that they were deliberately trying not to get it. They just weren't exposed to it. So uh, I think your point is very valid uh, in exposing them to it. So, um, Elliot, thank you for uh, joining us and talking to us about this today. Uh, I will, again, uh, remind people to visit marchinghealth.com. Um, check out all the social media, and you can see some of the truly incredible groups these guys get to work with. So, Elliot, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us, Mark. Uh, and thank you all for joining us on this edition of PMEA's Take Note Podcast. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor, the Grove City College Department of Music. We will see you next time.